Captain Roanoke, sir. What is it? It's the lab at Lodonia. Hmm? There was an accident, and they failed to destroy the site. To make matters worse, Zaft found it. Hmm. You're kidding me. We've notified Suez, and they're scrambling to do something about it. I thought you should know, sir. Hmm? Oh. Oh. Welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast that now has to watch Destiny. My name is Jeremy. I'm a clone of Tyler, just Tyler. My name is Zach. And today we are watching Phase 25, The Place of Sin. We are halfway through Gundam Seed Destiny now. Does it feel like it? Only if this episode is now setting up the main plot line where the real monster is actually clones, possibly. Are we just going to do the Clone Wars from Star Wars now? I mean... You're going to be heavy Revenge of the Sith vibes, I'll tell you that. A lot's going on, but nothing is happening. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, Atherin hadn't killed Kira yet halfway through Gundam Seed. Like, they would just be showing up in Orb at this point. Yeah, but even that seems like... like... But Walt felt it would have been yeah. in the rear view. Well, as... At this point in Seed, it feels like we've done things, whereas in Destiny, it really doesn't feel like we've actually accomplished or done anything. It feels like we're point. just now getting to the meat. Especially because we still don't really have an antagonist we have a bunch of protagonists but we don't really have an antagonist we have a bunch of vague antagonists right like we have the earth forces who are clearly bad we have yeah. jabril i mean like we don't have an actual like yes. villain with a proper name jabril like, neil roanoke is the closest thing we have. yeah i mean and he's nebulously an well, antagonist he's, he's also been missing for like half the series also and he only crops up every once in a while whereas at this point in time we had uh rombo or not rombo roll Sexy overall, Andrew Waltfeld already. We'd had Captain Beardo as much as we made fun of him. And we had Raul Crusade, who I think is we'd, comparable to Neo Ray. We'd had Raul. Except and, he's actually around. And then on top of that, we were starting to get to the point where Atherin was going to take over as the antagonist. And for Kira, at least. This episode, we do get some Stella stuff that kind of moves her in that direction, or at least a comparable direction. But we're on episode 25 now, and that's just starting. And Stella has spent so much time off screen and has so little character that I don't really care. It's because I keep wiping her character. The problem is Stella is baby, and <laughs> we don't need a baby in this series. I thought Stella was puppy. Well, that's true, too. He's a baby who drives the puppy Gundam. That's fair enough. So, yeah, uh, since we're halfway through, I figured we should probably recap the series so far. Two years ago, there was a war because some people genetically engineered themselves to be very cool. 
and other people were jealous and said, you have to go to space, and then we'll nuke you. Well, you don't want to ruin the planet by nuking things on the planet. Yeah, for the protection of our pure and blue Earth. Blue and pure Earth. Whatever. A sad it's bo- a dumb slogan. <laughs> so a sad boy started dating a pop idol, and they ended the war. <laughs> that reminds me of one of those like cinema like opening cards for uh, Star Wars, where it's like, Horrible burn victim reunites <laughs> yeah. with his two children, yes, exactly. or reconciles with his two children, or something like that. Uh, what, what you actually mean is a singry boy was dating a pop star, and she decided to dish him for a sad boy um, after starting the mafia. But they were all cool with it. Yeah, they're all cool with it. It's fine. Uh, sexy Ron Barol was there, too. <laughs> and Sexy Ron Barol's wife. And she was not there later. Yeah, she did not get better with Sexy Ron Barol. Also, the Rest president of Japan, a 16-year-old girl. <laughs> Space Japan. To be fair, she inherited the title of president from her father. She's now 18. Yes. So two years later, an angry boy from space Japan, who was a genetically modified person, defected to the space colonies to help them fight a war. The president of space was like, you're a cool guy. Have this cool Gundam. In two years, they have managed to go from basically a disarmament treaty to full wartime production and way too much material. It's actually, so we were talking a couple episodes ago about how long it would have taken them to rebuild their militaries. I think the actual answer is the reason they're at war now is because they never saw production. They had all these new units ready to go into the war, and then the war ended, and they're like, well, gotta use these somewhere. I mean, Durandal's TED Talk would say that you are about correct. <laughs> so anyway, some terrorists framed space for trying to destroy Earth. So now they're at war again. The sad boy was very sad, but when people started shooting at his pop idol girlfriend, he decided to also get involved. The Sangry Boy was like, move over, Angry Boy. I'm the main character now. And rejoined the military. Then the sad boy blew up a gun and was there when an orange-haired guy got <laughs> killed. So the Sangry Boy is very angry with him. <laughs> so this got brought up way early when Durandal was like, oh, the battle statistics. That Shin is maybe something special. Does that ever get brought up again? Yes, kind oh. of. <laughs> kind of. Okay. That's all I needed to know. Also, you know, he has seed powers. We didn't mention those, but that is canonical. And like, that is important information. I don't know specifically that like Shin is special is, but that the chairman deduced that. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that since he hasn't done it in forever. Wait, Shin has seed? Does he? Yeah, he did did it when uh, they were escaping orb. Oh, he hasn't hasn't done done it it ever since. Oh, well, he's a reluctant Super Saiyan. Uh, to be fair, he, what has he needed to go Super Saiyan? Atherin's right there to babysit him. Exactly. And Atherin hasn't had to do it much either. Atherin's like, this is child's play. So yeah, last time, what happened last time? It was only a week ago. Oh, Nothing. boy. Oh, um, um, Luna Maria was spying on the Sangry Boy because he was like, I need to go see what's up with the sad boy. And Atherin and Millie got coffee. Yeah. That's why we, like, we both liked that episode, but couldn't remember it. Yeah. So now Kira the sad boy, his sister Kigali, who is space president, who is space president and dating the sangry boy Atherin are all talking. They're engaged ish ish. It's yeah. complicated. It's like my brother who has not proposed uh, to his girlfriend yet, but they do have a day picked out. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. OK, so that brings us to episode 25, the place of sin. Oh, also, for some reason, they sent Ray and Shin into a mysterious Scooby-Doo factory on their own <laughs> to investigate. It's made, and it's made even weirder this by this episode, episode. Yes, it is. It is, yes. But anyway, Ray was aghast at what he found inside, and Shin was just regular shock. So much that they think he might have been poisoned, but we'll get there. Also, the episode begins with last time, all the stuff we just said happened. Where Kira's basically like, Hey, don't do a war, Atherin. That's bad. 
I mean, to be fair, everything Kira is talking to Atherin about, he's got a point. Atherin kind of has a point, too, but he's being a little unreasonable. Especially considering that I feel like we resolved these differences at the end of Seed. I think that's the bigger problem, right? Atherin has a point, but he's being too aggressive. Like, he should be able to talk with these people about it. Especially because they, they've already, like Tyler said, they've already resolved these issues. Like, they've talked this out already yeah, it's... at one point. And Atherin, you'd think, would be a little bit more reasonable with this because like he knows Kira doesn't want to fight he knows Kira doesn't want to have anything to do with it anymore so he's doing something some shit must be going down actually especially like later this episode when Atherin continues his argument it feels very much like an argument Kira made to Atherin and I wish they had highlighted that further I was going to talk about it when we get to it but I almost with Atherin had said verbatim my friends are on that ship or I exactly, have friends on yeah. that ship and that would make Atherin I think way more like understandable and it would have made for a good callback to when Atherin or yeah. Kira turned Lacus to Atherin. Yeah. It's like poetry at rhymes. Thank you, George R. R. Lucas. We got okay, a new so, opening. So we I don't get open- to make the joke about High and Mighty Killer shouting at us anymore. Who does this opening? I don't know off the top of my head. Because it is very aggro after a bit. I like the song behind the opening. Me too. I'm not as fond of the opening itself, but... This is jumping the gun, but the fourth opening to Destiny gets scrubbed for the fifth opening to the like Destiny special on the HD version, which is kind of a shame because I really like the fourth opening, but it does not fit with the first three aggro openings we get, so I understand kind of why they changed it. Although the fifth one doesn't really fit that well either. Although it's closer. The opening of the episode starts really because you get Shin and Atherin standing back to back. And then it shows Shin and Atherin naked and on the <laughs> side after each other. And then right after that, it's Maru and a random dude. It's, random scarred dude. It's sexy Moolah Flaga. Tyler, um, why did you say the same thing I'm sorry. Twice? I'm sorry. It's <laughs> regular Moolah Flaga, who is also sexy. Well, now he has it, a scar. But it can't be Moolah Flaga. He's dead. And then we get, uh, I guess, a, a Moo clone? That's a Moo clone, right? That's Ray. <laughs> Crying I, I naked know. Stella. What order? Oh, you were right. Okay. <laughs> Very happy naked Lacus Klein. For, I must have like looked she away. She finally um, talked to Kira. It, it must have been like the one time I looked away or something like that when I was watching this and I just missed her. And naked Kira. Then cuts to, as the drop in the song happens, some action shot of uh, a very freedom-like mobile suit dual-wielding down some Zaku's and Ghosts. Yeah. Which is the uh, oh. mobile suit that's in front of the title drop. So this is, like, officially where it's like, well, I guess Shin isn't the main character anymore. Because I don't know what that mobile suit is. It might just be the freedom. It might not be. But I know Shin ain't driving it. <laughs> I think I know what that one is. I know I know what that one is. I'm being coy. Probably everyone listening to this episode knows what that is. It just doesn't... I think it's because it's got the big cannon it's throwing me off. I do like the first image, which is like very Gundam Seed-ish of Shin and Luna walking away from like a destroyed Impulse Gundam, or at least a pretty beat-up Impulse Gundam. It's badly battered. The mechanics are just looking at it instead of fixing it. Well, one of the mechanics is actually looking at Shin and Luna Maria, and I can just... I'm filling it in in my head of this mechanic watching him going, God fucking damn it, can't you keep it in one goddamn piece? He's like, it's four pieces. That's how many I launched in. That's how many I brought it back in. We also get Atherin walking away from very sexed up lingerie Kigali, although she's wearing a sexy orb uniform. Why? Like a cape. Why? Uh, Yeah, so okay, this is where I paused the intro and said, oh boy, this is a lot. Yes, it is. Because it was already kind of a lot, and now it is definitely... Oh, hey, it's Rambo. Yeah, Rambo is in this shot. In the summary, like, it's Rambo... 
Athrun walking away with the Minerva, Azaku, and the Savior in the background. But most of the other ones, like, I hesitate to use tasteful, but the nudity in the beginning was more tasteful than this. Yeah, it's because, you know, especially in Japan, but everywhere, like, a naked person is sort of a imagery for, like, a pure person. That's why Sailor Moon is always naked when she's at her most powerful. And it's why, you know, the dead people in Gundam, typically when they come back, they're naked. That's the feeling the opening scene gets, especially since, like, unless you're in Dalakis's Klein's armpit, you don't really get anything that's titillating. Like, it's also, it's cool imagery. It's imagery that Sita's used before. Like, it's basically the same image of Nataro walking away from Mu and Maru in the third seed opening. But why is Kagali in a sexy Kagali Halloween <laughs> costume? Yeah, like, that's what I don't understand. The imagery is fine until you get to Kagali, because it doesn't, it's, it's out of place. I do have a way to explain this away. This is actually Kagali's fan fiction. <laughs> I mean... That's why Kisaka is there. Oh, did you know that Pride, that song by High and Mighty Keller, was actually their debut yeah, single? I, I mentioned did that. Not... Yeah, okay. Jeremy actually mentioned well, that when it first happened. It, they, it played at an NFL game, and that's where the people doing Gundam Seed Destiny heard it. And we're like, yeah, that. That's what we want. Apparently, this one is by Hitomi Takahashi. Um, and that is, this is their debut single. Yeah, as you say, this is one. This is, I think, the only artist who I'm not familiar with from other work that does a Gundam Seed Destiny opening. I do like the shot that follows the weird Kigali shot of the Archangel coming up behind what is now the Archangel crew. Yeah. With the exception of Millie is there, and she hasn't actually... Where we are in the series, she hasn't, she hasn't joined rejoined. the crew. I assume she does at some point. We then get a close-up on Lacus Klein, and she looks at me. You might think she's looking at you, but no, you're wrong. She's <laughs> looking at me. No, she's just, like, breaking the fourth wall, staring directly at the camera. Uh, it's a much more subtle form of fan service. <laughs> Also, Durundle's looking at me. We get some so. recycled... This is recycled from one of the earlier ones. Yep. Yeah, we get and two recycled shots, one of Durundle, Ray, and Neo, and one of Maru pointing a gun at Neo without his mask on. I believe this shot of the Minerva crew is also reused, although I... I don't remember seeing it. I'm not 100% on this one. I love it, Happy Mayron in the show. It's Nameless Dude, Nameless Dude, Talia, Happy Mayron, Arthur. Arthur, and then Nameless Dude. <laughs> So it's like, I get what they're going for, looking for like the, the, the synergy with, with the, the shot of the Archangel crew. Uh, I was going to say the Eternal, because okay. remember when they oh, had the shot of the yeah, Eternal? Yeah, this is very it. similar to that one that he had as your desktop for a while. Um, had? <laughs> well, I don't know, man. I but haven't seen it for a bit. Here, we know half of these characters. The other three, I I mean, we've seen them, but I don't think they've ever gotten names. I don't think they ever do. <laughs> Maybe in Gundam Seed SD Cross Generations Redux Double X, they have character names because they're like the other positions on the Minerva, but I don't think so. Uh, we get the reuse shot of Lacus singing, then some slightly repackaged shots. We have like the Impulses intro from the first one, but now it has Shin and Luna on think, either side of it. I think those are two different like poses for those two characters. They are. I don't think we've seen those yet. We've seen that Luna before, but I can't remember. It might be in like the ending credits or something. I don't remember. I recognize the shot. We also have Thirsty <laughs> Mir Campbell assaulting concerned Atherin Zala I love over it. the savior transforming and the mere boob bounce from the show that we really need every week from now on. I do love like the just the image of Mir jumping Atherin. And I he think looks it's so uncomfortable. I love it. <laughs> uh, we also get the druggies over there. Mobile suit shots from the first opening. Someone just realized, oh shit, we have way too many characters. We can't have them all individually in the opening anymore. Ray doesn't get to appear in any of these because the last one is the Zakus and Guth with Talia and Durundal over it, which I do like, but it feels like Ray should be here somewhere. We get a bunch of quick cuts of the girls being determined. Over, like, and the music's, like, really staccato right here, too. I do and like the recycled. cuts to the music, yeah. yeah. 
I mean, I love the Evangelion opening, and part of it is how quickly that accelerates, and you get the super staccato cuts at the end, and it's a very similar feel to that. I actually, now that I think about it, that's probably one of the reasons the Attack on Titan theme was so damn popular, is because the intro is so well synced to it. Anyway. That's something that Gundam Seed Destiny and Gundam Seed are both very good at. We get the silhouette shot of the Destiny flying at a giant Gundam from before, but no, it's no longer in silhouette. Uh. Um, If you're watching the HD version, there's now a superimposed shot of Stella falling down because London Bridge has fallen and Shin reaching to her. That was not there in the original. Also, they're naked for some reason. We get that reused shot of Atherin with all the girls, but now Mayren is photoshopped in, leaning against him. I do kind of love that, actually. (laughs) Someone Um, just remembered, oh, we forgot one. I'm okay, actually, if Atherin just gets a sexy spy harem because i love this sh- this scene right here it's great it's got some very bond vibes oh yeah that's just <laughs> why i always call him uh double o atherin and atherin <laughs> bond is this specific shot with him with all the girls who have guns one of which is pointed at me oh, especially as mirror is like looking snide in the back. she looks smug mayron does just look like she photoshopped herself into this picture <laughs> though because like luna pushed her out when they were actually taking it well <laughs> I was talking about how uh, that previous shot was Kigali's fanfiction. This is Mayron's fanfiction. Yeah. <laughs> she just wants to be part of his harem. Yep. We get the shot from the uh, end of the first two openings. Or actually, no, never mind. That's not yet. Almost. We get we get the naked Stella and Shin and the naked Lacus and Kira shots from the previous opening. Then we get the shot, I thought, from the end where all the mobile suits fall down. But this isn't Shin's show anymore, so he doesn't get the last shot. We <laughs> get a Kira launching sequence. Um, some quick cuts of some old mobile suits that are now new mobile suits. And then it ends on a cool splash of the Destiny fighting the Freedom. That actually, like, it may- does make a good background because it's got lots of lightning effects. So it does. I do want to compliment it of the way it matches the music is super good, especially that staccato part we talked about. Um, and I think Zach is... and I both mentioned we like the song pretty well. Yeah. My primary problem is with the one it is... Kigali shot. Well, there's all the Kiga- the the one Kigali shot, and then it's like, how many times can we show our main cast naked in this? Uh, don't worry, they top themselves. Or actually, they untop themselves? That's too. They I think we might, themselves? There we I go, think that's we might a better have joke. made too many uh, openings, or our opening might have too many shots of naked people. Hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing good ever comes after someone uses the words, hold my beer. Well, this, like is, this w- is Sunrise Animation. It's hold my Kirinichiban, or hold my sake. I don't know, I've seen some really good Sunrise Animation. It's like that one episode of Batman the Animated Series, the first one where Harley Quinn and uh, Poison Ivy are hanging out together, and they wrote the Joker comes in and says, well, you two certainly have been a busy pair of beavers, haven't you? Because they were sure that the uh, pe- the censors were going to say no, and then they're like, that's fine. Oh, man. That's <laughs> so that's good. a line in Batman the Animated Series <laughs> Look, from 1993. Okay, so I have... Mostly because of uh, what Tyler said about the whole Sunrise thing. Uh, on Monday, because I was curious, I looked up, like, what is Sunrise's body of work? It's and big. holy shit, it's like they made everything. They even have an, an entry for the 2020s, and there's already six things on it. Yeah, that sounds right. And I was just like, Jesus! Sunrise is busy. That's holy- why they can't afford to have plot in their episodes. It's like, holy crap, I don't know, there's some... I don't think they're as prolific as Toei, but... They have a good chunk of plot in their episodes. Depends on the series you're talking about. It definitely depends on the series you're talking about. That's super fair. Although I'm pretty sure uh, Love Live was written by one dude, and they used the same pl- they used the same plot twice. Oh, like those like three seasons of Power Rangers that were all written by Jed Winnick, except for like two episodes in the three seasons. 
All right, so the episode starts with a cool shot of the freedom under a cliff with the savior above it where everybody is still talking. Atherin is shocked because of the revelation that someone tried to kill a Lacus Klein. And then he's like, oh man, all those things Durundle did with the fake Lacus suddenly yep. maybe make more sense. We get a flashback to her debut. on screen debut, and so, yeah. And settle in, us, because this flashback lasts a goddamn forever. We also get Durundle being like, oh yeah, I'm sure you can tell it's fake, but I need her power to influence. I do like that he's like, oh, go ahead and laugh. I know you can tell she's fake. Yeah. I really like the rental, actually, especially in this scene. Since we're padding for time during these million flashbacks, have we ever talked about the fact that Durundal is the name of an ancient sword or like a, a fabled sword? I don't know that we have. That is true. Um, I'm aware. I, is that relevant? I don't think so. Oh, I think someone cool just thought name. it was a cool name. Yeah. But I know we've said this before. Is relevant. He is voiced by the original voice actor for one Shar Aznable. It's also another Irish name, and Zapt really likes electing Irish presidents. It's true. <laughs> he also thinks of that time he was just hanging out with Mir, and they were having dinner. And she was like, ah, I'd love to be Lacus Klein, even for just a little bit. It's always been my dream to be Lacus Klein. Does she dye her hair? Uh, yes. I guess that's a small spoiler, but yes. Okay. Or, although I think it's actually implied that it's like genetically modified again. I think... So, I can't remember exactly how that all... It's it's not her out. original hair color, yeah, I guess we, is the point. We do get a shot of what she looks like when she's not in the makeup, so Or at speak. the very least, what she looked like. Yeah. yeah, I'm just wondering, like, how they found this girl to be a Lacus Klein impersonator. Like, I how believe did they that's explained. Her? Yeah, it okay. is. I, I mean, light spoilers, I believe it's all for her voice and a lot of plastic surgery was involved. Okay. Oh, so she's a snake. Yeah, yeah. I think she already naturally sounded a lot like Lacus. Spoilers for Phantom Pain, a game that came out like six years ago. She's a Venom Snake. Yeah. I never finished that game. But neither <laughs> did Konami. I <laughs> <laughs> remembers Durandal's TED Talk. Really stalling for time here. Yeah, we really don't need this bit. The other bits were at least relevant, and I understand why you start on them. Do love this shot of, like, Ather nervously biting his teeth like he's been called down in class. Oh, and he, was and he can't remember the answer. And so all the others look concerned and... Atherin tries to hedge. If she was, ac- if Lacus was actually targeted, that's really terrible. It's like if what you're saying is true. It's like we are your best friend and your fiance. Why would we lie to you about this? We're your best friend, your fiance, and Millie. <laughs> <laughs> also, Millie was there. Well, I mean, she's a journalist. She has an obligation to the truth. Well, and Millie is somebody who I figure Atherin probably does trust. I mean, you we already they probably saw- met at least. So, I, well, we already recognized you. Yeah, that's right. We know they met because he was on the Archangel for a little while. And I do feel like they trust each other. Was he? I thought he was just on the Eternal the entire I, time. There is at least one meeting that takes place on the bridge of the Archangel, the one where Boo's like, hey, can you shoot your former compatriots? Okay, they, in, uh, during that last like chunk of time where the sh- three ships aligns, they're bouncing between ships a lot. He's like, anyway, if what you say is true, that's awful, obviously. But saying you can't believe the chairman of the plants because of it, it seems that's like, ridiculous. It um, seems very reasonable to say, I don't trust them because of these reasons. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm definitely on board with that. Atherin then points out it could be a bunch of terrorists, like, attack Junius 7. And from Atherin's point of view, I think that's a decent point. The reason it falls flat is, we as an audience know we have not been introduced to any characters like that, so we are not suspicious of that in any way. I also well, think just that is not good reason to immediately trust the plants yeah. if you don't have definitive proof who it was. But I think that's like a reasonable argument that can be like can happen between Atherin and Kira. Except yeah. for the other point that Kira doesn't actually bring up that they were equipped with the latest Zaft model. So well, maybe they sold them. 
those terrors got the old ones, but maybe they just sucked at stealing. Yeah, but the thing is... We that, know what Zaf's base security is like. still doesn't give you a good reason why you would trust them. No, it doesn't. I think for sure one of the episodes we're going to do after Destiny is a how would we fix Destiny. And since we're at the halfway point, I've been thinking about that a lot. And I think a genuine thing I would do would be extend the terrorist plot and like have some of them get away and make the Minerva chase them. Because then you get a villain they get to take down, right? When that's one of the problems we talked about them having. You potentially, if the Phantom Pain also goes after them, get to have Shin and Stella team up and then have to fight each other, which I think adds a lot of stuff. And then I think it also makes this make more sense. Like, it means, hey, maybe someone related to them could have tried to kill Lacus Klein. They're suddenly reasonable to put suspicion on as an audience. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that alone solves a lot of problems. I and was actually thinking a bit about that, too. probably wrap that up too. in, like, five episodes. Nice and neat. I think you can get it in two. Yeah, you don't well, need to spend a lot of time on I it. I was given a Destiny's pace. But. <laughs> well, I, I think the pace is the biggest problem with Destiny. And yeah. even in the HD version, we got two clip episodes to cut. Even these ones here, we've already talked about how much reused footage we've already gotten. Like I said, Seed used a lot of that. I think some of it is fair for, like, emotional placing of the characters. But we're definitely in padding territory here. Yeah, there's a place and time to use old footage, but... Anyway, Atherin's like, aren't you jumping to conclusions too quickly? And Kira is like, they shot my girlfriend, man. I don't know. But I do know that I'm not, like, trusting some weird spaceman who has a fake version of her. Well, I mean, I also don't feel like that would be the time you would point out that they did have the latest Zaft model and that would bring up the... You know, they could have stolen them or something, but they don't. And meanwhile, Luna's just listening to all this going... What the yeah, fuck is going Luna's on? Here. I actually, I, once we get past the scene, I do want to have a quick chat about Luna's. Oh, I plan on saying some stuff about it, too. Athen then further implies that, like, maybe it's, like, a splinter faction even within Zaft. A rogue maybe group. Maybe it's other terrorists. I don't know. And again, if they had, had to deal with a rogue group, that's probably adding too much to the series. But if, like, uh, Athen and Shin had at some point had to stop some, like, rogue Zaft people who were being... I was going to say too much like Izak, but Izak actually really eased up towards the end. That's his whole arc. But like the if there were some war veterans who were acting like we saw in Seed, where they were killing people after they surrendered and stuff, and Atherin and Shin had to deal with those, then again, this makes a lot of sense from Atherin if he's seen these sorts of things. But we haven't. Yeah. So He's like, I thought this would be obvious to you, Kira. They shot at my girlfriend. I, I do love like Kira said, like, oh, I'm not reaching you at all. You're not yeah, listening. Okay. As they continue talking, cut to Shin being a bro and, like, taking Ray out of, on his own. It's just a brief shot, but I do really like it for some reason. Well, I like it as a character thing because it shows that Shin is going, like, no man left behind yeah. thing for Shin. Yeah, that's very much his deal, right? He wants to save people. Yes. And Athra says, well, I'll look into it when I get back to the ship. And to be fair, there is an argument for, like, Athern can learn more from inside than yep. they can from outside, but... It does seem very dismissive. So, really quick, what is with this jeep in the background? What is it sitting on? I, Why is it at that angle? <laughs> I assume that's how Millie got here. We know, actually, we know that's how okay, Millie got we here because we that we were shown that yeah. when she drove. No, up. I'm fine with the jeep being there. I'm questioning why it, is it tilted like that when the ground is clearly. It, it flat? is at a very strange angle. <laughs> Vehicles are hard to draw, and that's why they're usually CGI. I almost guarantee you that's what it is. As, right, as unsatisfying yeah. an answer as that. No, I know. I was just making fun of the fact that it was poorly drawn. But and it, yeah, Atherin says, I'll look into it when I get back to the ship. In the meantime, you guys should go back to Orb. And Kigali just looks heartbroken well, or devastated at I, this news. I like the contrast because they both have kind of the same realization. Atherin's not listening. And Kira looks sad about this. And Kigali is just like, 
devastated that he's like, we can't get through to him. I read it more as shock on Kigali's yeah. face because she's like, so I don't want to say one dimensional, but she's like, I'm going to do this and this is what's going to happen. And like her expectations have been broken. And like, it's almost like she doesn't know what to do because it Argu- was so obvious to her that Athen was going to come back with them. Arguably, that's actually very in character for yeah, her because that's, that's how she's always behaved. So. And Athen has spent basically this entire time not talking to her. Like, at all. And Atherin reiterates, like, hey, you need to go stop the treaty if you want to keep Arda out of the fight. It's too late after they start the battle. And Kakao's like, yeah, I understand, but... And we get a very similar shot to last week where Atherin is, like, looking at the ring. And she's like, aren't you coming back with us? I actually like the shots of Millie and Kira because they both have already figured out he's not coming back. Yep. I think Kagali has, too, and she's just in denial. Yep, it's also very Kigali. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're all in characters. They're doing a pretty good job with that here. I, I actually lo- legit love the like look on Luna like she's watching her soap and her ship is breaking up. <laughs> you gotta think about what has all been dumped on Luna right here. Yeah. Number one, Atherin knows the dude that showed up to wreck face at the last battle. Well, she has basically no context for any of this, Number which is two, great. this woman means a lot to him. or the, like These two are clearly friends. Number three... There's a fake Lacus. <laughs> Number four. They someone shot, shot at the Lackis. real one? <laughs> They're like, what the hell? Just having all that dumped on you at the same time when you have no context for it is weird. And Atherin starts talking like in very high concept. If Orb's the country it's always been, then we're on the same side. Uh, and he's like very determined. Like, I've gone back to the military. I can't go with you. Because I've never defected. Ever. I've never defected and taken my, uh, my military's most advanced <laughs> mobile suit with me before. Atherin, you want to double-check that for me? <laughs> I don't think the Savior is the most advanced. I guess it is the most recent of the Gundams built, but I think it. I don't see it being more advanced than, say, the Chaos. No, I was mostly yeah, just I pointing know. out that... I was being pedantic. Your point still stands, Counselor. And I, I to... actually do like how Kira steps up and is, like, supportive brother yeah. uh, Kira to Kigali. I also read this as, like, Kira's been in a very similar situation before when he's talking to Atherin. This is what we were talking about earlier, that Kira joined the other side, and... And, and Atherin tried to talk him into yeah. joining Zaft. I actually like how while we're still getting that conversation, we flash to the bridge where Mayron has gotten a communication from Shin. We don't know what they're saying because we're getting the dialogue from the Kira Atherin stuff. Yeah, I actually really like this scene. Yeah, because generally. In, in contrast to the padding at the beginning we were making fun of, this is incredibly efficient, right? Yes. Because like we don't necessarily need to know exactly what they're saying. We get the gist of what's going on by the things they've shown us. So we can have the conversation that actually means something here. And Athens be like, until the war ends, that's where I'm going to be. I have to be with the military. And Kira's like, even if it means you have to fight against Orb like you did? Athens like, I, obviously I don't want to, but like I had no choice then. Which shocks both of them. He's like, hey, it wasn't just ignoring military orders and doing what we thought was right our whole deal? <laughs> yeah, and I just have that thought of, he says, I, don't, I didn't have a choice. Uh, actually, you always have a choice. You're just trying to convince yourself so, you don't so I, that you have an explanation for why you're still there. Even the, You're a member of faith. And I feel like Talia is like, reasonable enough that you could say, hey, I'm I out. To, yeah, I, I want to rescind myself from this battle. Well, she also would know that she couldn't exactly make him. Yeah. Although, Atherin, or not Atherin. Kira and Kigali couldn't make that argument because they don't actually know yeah. that he's a member of faith. They don't. You're right. But I'm just saying, objectively speaking, it's one of the reasons that Atherin's argument seems like melodrama. Mm-hmm. I also feel like, I don't know if we ever go into this, but like, what is his rationale for staying, really? This is what he's saying right now. He's like, I have to stop the Earth Alliance. They're being unreasonable. Like, it's the travesties the Earth Alliance is committing. I kind of feel like the reason that the next two episodes go so deep into this facility 
is to kind of get us to back Atherin. We already know they're mustache-twirling evil villains. We really don't need this extra oomph on it. And part of it is to, like, add character to Stella and Owl and Sting, right? And I think that's well-intentioned. But I think also a lot of it is to say, hey, the Earth Forces are scum, and Atherin is right to want to stop them. But is this the most effective way? That's why it's melodrama, right? Yeah, like, I feel like he knows what he and Kira can do together. I don't know, they're a two-person mega army all by themselves. Although, to be fair, at the time that when all this got started, Atherin didn't have a mobile suit. So it would have been... He could just steal it! It's right there, (laughs) who's gonna stop him? No, I meant when when it all started. Yeah, no, I totally get his rationale for going in the first place, right? What we're arguing now is his rationale for being like, I have to stay. Like I said, that's why I want the, like, I have friends on that ship line. Because if we see, like... He ha- he's invested in Shin, if, like, we kind of see that. If Atherin thinks without me, Shin's going to go in he's, a bad direction. He's going to turn into what Izak almost became. I do feel like Atherin could, ha- especially if he brought, like, some of the crew of the Archangel, I feel like there's a non-trivial chance that they could just convince the Minerva to defect. No. I feel like you can get some of the members. Yeah. But, like, Ray and Talia have vested interest in the president, right? That's fair. But so, I don't think you can get Arthur to defect. Well, you could. Um, you actually might be able to get Arthur. <laughs> Do you want Arthur? Uh, I've said it in the past. Arthur has to be at least competent at his job or else Talia would have had him removed from the br- from the ship. Maybe she keeps him around because he's comic relief. I think <laughs> I, I genuinely think because what we know of her character, like if he couldn't hack his job, yeah. she wouldn't want him around no matter how funny he is. I, I think my point is more that I don't think Arthur is like, that sort of moral person. Not to say he's a bad person, but I don't think he's the sort who's going to betray his country for his ideals. He's actually as a careerman. But. They have they have Lacus. They have a Lacus. True. And he is a big Lacus fanboy, as has been established. It's like, this is what happens to Maru when our ship gets hit, and our ship gets hit a lot. <laughs> I think he would be like, where do I sign up? Arthur, maybe correct Zach. Arthur, if you join us, Lacus will give you an autograph. Okay. Lacus will autograph your forehead. She would, too. Anyway, Atherin says, we must stop it at all costs. Talking about the Earth Alliance. Talking about the Earth Alliance, and it's, like, they're doing the same thing. I think part of the reason why he's so mad is that he doesn't want Kigali to get, like, caught up in everything. That's why he's so mad. It's not necessarily that they were there. It's that he... It's fear that Kigali could have gotten shot. Yes, it's fear that Kigali could have gotten hurt. Which is why he keeps telling her to go back to Orb. Well, the show keeps trying to tell us, like, you know, they're uh, grown-up adults, but they are still teenagers. They are 18, so, yes. Yeah. Kira and Lacus are unreasonably mature, but no one else is. I mean, to be fair, uh, Kira has been through some serious shit, so I buy that. I'm not even sure Kira's act. I think Lacus is maybe the only unreasonably mature one. Oh, uh, that might be um, fair. Anyway, yeah, like Zach said, Atherin's like, hey, that's why you need to go back to Orb, do something about the treaty. Like, get Orb out of the fight. And Kira's just like, Atherin, I understand what you're saying, but... We don't want you to fight against Orb. Actually, I don't want you to fight against anyone. Actually, and like I, Kira, like I like this interpretation more. Like you were saying, Atherin's concerned about Kigali. I almost like this as Kira's concerned about Atherin, his best friend. Like, yes, I know you don't want us to get shot. I don't want you to get shot. No, I definitely buy that. Like, just seeing like how he acts, and I, it's he says it in a little bit about how uh, I'm sick of killing people. I don't want to fight either. But he doesn't want Atherin to get hurt. He doesn't want anybody to get hurt, but especially not the people he cares about. But clearly Atherin's set foot on the battlefield again. So again, he needs to do something. So here he is to try and convince Atherin to at least be with him so he can watch his back. 
I do also like that while Kira's giving this speech, Kigali's got like a harumph face on. Which <laughs> I is... think that's just bad animation. <laughs> I like it. And then Kira's like, yeah, like if you die, we can't get you back. It's not literally what he says, but which makes Atherin think about the people Kira gets killed. I wish this was shot in a way that it seemed like Kira was thinking about this too, specifically this first shot of the bridge of the Minerva exploding. Because the... his line later, I think he is aware the Tonhauser I... of the oh, yeah. uh, Minerva exploding, not the bridge. That's true. Yeah, I definitely got that Kira was thinking about this when he said it. It's mostly the next shot being uh, Heine's death. Like, again, the problem is that is 0% Kira's fault. Like, there's yeah. no way Kira can think that one's his fault. Yeah, that one's... Except for maybe he kicks himself for not cutting off the weird wings on the Gaia. Well, the thing is, like, like we said, this one is not Kira's fault. There's no way this is Kira's fault. This is all Heine's fault. Yeah, like, this is Kira's fault in the way that, like, if Superman doesn't save someone on the other side of the planet, Superman's mad it's not his fault, right? Not because it's reasonably Kira's fault. I get what Jeremy's saying, where it doesn't seem to be... I, I would buy that it was only Atherin thinking about it. But yeah, it would make a lot of sense if Kira was also thinking about the destruction of the uh, Tonhauser because Kira's gotta know. Yeah, he knows he people, people died. Yep. Yeah, and, like, that's Atherin's trying to call him out on that. It's like, yeah, that's all pretty talk, but, like, you killed people. Don't forget all the people you've killed. He thinks about Nickel, <laughs> and then he thinks about Heine. We just went over this. Heine's not his fault. There he are... disarmed Heine, and then Heine fucked up. There are many shots of Kira destroying entire battleships. Although, it is an interesting contrast, because they go to Heine where he just cuts off the arm, like, to back up his point. Which, like, if you're gonna put something there, it should have been the shot of him dying. But... Then it's a shot of him killing Rao. Yeah. The person he most killed. Like, <laughs> the, I think that is the one person K- Kiriyama to always thought, I need to murder this person. Uh, That is the second person he thought, I need to murder this person. Uh, are you counting Walfelt? I was counting Atherin, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're probably right. Because, he failed, though. Yeah, that is the first person but he succeeded. You, you, you are correct, probably. I don't think he was thinking, I need to kill this person because it's more of killing this person because this person deserves it. Yeah. Because with Waltfelt. It, I really got the feeling of... Like, Walfell forces hand. It mostly. wasn't Kira thinking, I need to kill this guy because he deserves it, or because, you know, I want to. It's, I need to kill this guy because if I don't, he's going to kill me. Yeah. And the people standing behind me are counting on me. Yeah. And I think that's a similar thing with Ather. It's like, he killed Tall, he'll kill more if I don't stop him. Whereas, like, Rao the Crusade is like, this person should not be alive. I think that's the only person Kira Yamato has thought that about. Anyway, again, we get a shot of Kira kind of wet-eyed like i actually like the like it's a kind of one of those little subtle things even though it zooms in he goes from like being kind of determined kira to being more like melancholy or sad like not quite sad but like reflective yeah i was trying to put that into words and you did it better than me i also really like that we get a shot to like shin getting out of the impulse presumably that's where he called the minerva from the check on ray through this who is recovering yeah, I mean, I really like the effective use of Ray and Shin and the Minerva through there. And then I love that Kira comes back and is like, yeah, I know I've killed people and I am so sick and tired of it. And I love the delivery both in the Japanese and the dub I of l- the voice actor. It's- I love this line because Atherin's trying to call Kira out and like... And Kira's like, I lose sleep over this already. Kira, like, <laughs> this is one of those things where... Only your best friends can really hit you below the belt in this way. And Atherin is going for the low blow and Kira's just owning it. Saying, I know I've killed people. I lose sleep over this. It's like, that's why I don't want you to kill anyone. I don't want to kill anyone. Let's all go back to Orb, please. I I don't want to fight. Don't make (laughs) me fight. Shocked Luna. (laughs) Guns don't kill people. I I kill people. I like that idea of like Kira being like, I don't want to fight. 
but somebody's forced my hand, so I've had to take up my sword again. Also, can we talk about Luna's outfit for a minute? Don't get me wrong, I love it, but the little band of stomach she shows, I like, it's not enough to show her belly. It looks like her shirt is just too small. And hell, I can buy Luna bought a shirt. It's like, this is a little too small, but it works. So she's wearing it. She seems like that person, but... I actually had almost the exact same thought. I'm like, that shirt just looks like it's too small for her. Or she bought the shirt, and it shrunk in the wash, and she didn't have the opportunity to buy a new one when they left. Or Mayrin sabotaged it. It I don't feel like Mayrin would actually... (laughs) I don't feel like Mayrin would actually sabotage Luna's clothes to make them smaller. Yeah, I feel like that would just make her feel worse. (laughs) Also, a shot of the Minerva leaving port. Oh, actually, we get dialogue over this. Of Talia being like, hey, we're taking off. Shoot up some flares. I'm not sure why they want to shoot signal flares, because they... I assumed it was a signal to the people that they had out in the field, but... Yeah, except for they've talked to them is the only problem with that, right? It could be to recall Luna, but we will see in a moment that they, like, have a communication device. Yeah. The only thing I can think of is if it's a flares to alert, like, a picket force. And so Atherin comes back after Kira says, I'm tired, I don't want to kill anybody, or I don't want to fight anymore. And says, and that's why you should go back to Orb, like, hammering away at this, which is and, why I really do think that he's just concerned for them, like, getting caught in the middle again. And it is very Atherin to take the weight of the world on himself, right? The problem is it's also very Kira to take the weight of the world on himself. Well, Atherin still probably got a little bit of that death wish. Yeah, I think so. Kigali tries to go after him as he turns to leave, but Atherin turns. She has a very sad puppy dog eye. It says she sees how determined he looks. He remembers giving her the ring. He says, there are certain things that I can understand but cannot accept, which is a weird translation. In the dubs, he says, there are things even I can't forgive, which I think is probably a better translation. It's hard to tell, right? I don't know. This one seems more along the lines of Atherin's character, because he can understand why Kigali would get... Because I get the feeling it's attached to the marriage to Yuna, but at the same time, like intellectually knows why that would be a good thing to do but can't accept the, like, betrayal that Kigali made of him. See, whereas in the dub, it reads as he's talking about the people on the Minerva that Kira killed. And he's like, yeah, I I understand why you did it. I get what you were trying to do. I probably would have done the same thing in your situation, but I can't forgive you for it. Um, Yeah, either way, he knows it's enigmatic because it's like, yeah, you know what I mean. I'm out of here. The only (laughs) reason why I'm thinking that it's probably attached to Kigali and not that is because of the fact that the ring, it flashes to the ring specifically. Oh, and she responds and to it. Yeah, and he's talking to Kigali, not Kira with that. True. But I think that might be because he knows if Kigali's like, I'm going home, Kira will follow him. Her, rather. Like, would Kira really just follow yeah, uh, that's a good Kigali? Question. Because, remember, Kira started the whole thing that's by kidnapping true. Kigali. If Kigali said, I want to go back, yes, they would take her back, but then they'd probably all leave again. I don't know. You might be right. Once Kira has set his mind on doing something, it's really difficult to shift him without a seriously powerful forklift. So Atherin gets in the savior and flies away, leaving the three of them to just watch him leave. Okay, and then we get a shot of marines. Like, we have armored marines going into this place. Why are these guys not the ones they sent before? Zach, I want to get into that. I really do. But I think we should talk about Luna first, because I'm not sure if we see her again this episode. We do see her again, Briefly. Okay. Yeah, when she's back on the ship. Uh, And she gets an alert here in a few minutes. I know there was something you wanted to say about her, Tyler. Have we gone over Um, it yet? What is her headspace at this? Because we don't really get it resolved. I actually Um, looked at the wiki because I was trying to remember when this went. And again, on the fixing destiny thing, a lot of this has to do with where their characters go in the future. 
I think this would have been much better if we had Mayrin following Atherin instead of Luna. Really? Uh, I yes. wish we'd gotten a scene explaining what she's doing there. I do too. We talked about that last week, and I mm-hmm. still believe that. Part of that has to do with where their characters go in the future. Part of it is for a practical reason, which I don't care about that much, which is, why has the Minerva sent all of their mobile suit pilots away? I mean, yes, they are in harbor. They presumably have mobile suits that can defend them. So it does make sense. But, like, if Luna was on call, I just that would make more sense to me. And Mayrin as a comms officer, like, that doesn't mean that her class has all the spy equipment. But, like, in, like, a, a D&D sense, I kind of buy it. Well, and it's also one of those things of Maybe she doesn't know how to fly that chopper thing. I mean, yeah, but that's so unimportant to the following Atherin scene, right? Yeah, I know. I'm just saying that that's one of the reasons why you could theoretically use it as an explanation. Why not Mayrin? I just think from a story sense, Mayrin would make a lot more sense. She also, would. Also, she hasn't gotten to do as much as Luna, right? And yeah. so a scene like this would be more important. And again, to the point of what is Luna doing here, I feel like if it was Mayrin, I would be more interested in that as a mystery than I am with Luna. Where I'm like, I wish I had an explanation for why she's here. Whereas with Mayren, if it's like, is it just to follow him? Like, is this to learn about him? And she's learned a bunch of shocking truths. Or is this for work? I think that works better. Is this work or pleasure? Yeah. Uh. (laughs) I think that works. Like, it works with both of them. I think it works better with Mayren. Is this work or stalker? Yeah, I I think you're probably right. And again, a lot of that is has to do with where those two characters go in the future, which I don't want to get into too much. But I think that's a very good setup for some of it. I'm now extremely curious where their characters go in the future. Anyway, these goddamn special forces. (laughs) Why weren't they called first? And clearly these guys were either in the harbor or they're already part of the Minerva's crew. Why weren't these guys sent, not the freaking mobile suit pilots? And to be fair, there are like a full ET squad here and you don't need to send all of them. But again, just because they're the main characters, right? But... It doesn't make any sense. It's like maybe Ray wants to go and he like requests permission from Gladys to join this mission for some reason. We did get that weird yeah. scene. Maybe you so. just read context as that. And she's like, you can go, but you have to take Shin. So you have backup. Someone. And just the ground forces here. We were making fun of doesn't Zaft have ground forces? Oh, here they are. You send them in second, right? After your valuable mobile suit pilots. <laughs> yeah, because like I, th- I think of them kind of along the lines of like, these are the infantry, the mobile suits are kind of the place of the tanks. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to support the infantry, not the other way around. I think the actual metaphor is supposed to be the, the aircraft, but, you know, same difference. Well, the reason why I'm thinking tanks is because aircraft can't hold ground. Yeah, yeah. No, and that's totally fair. But, you know, especially original Gundam, they are stand-ins for World War II aircrafts. That's why you have them based on ships. That's why Shars the Red Baron. That'd be World War One. It but... would be, but you know what I meant. They are tacticaling their way into the building. It really stinks in here. Because apparently all the corpses are rotten. And then we get Shady McShaderson behind a tree. I do love Invincible Teen Shin being like, no, I'm fine, really, to the doctor. Although I did, like, they mentioned, oh yeah, there might have been some kind of gas, and my immediate thought here was, that's why you don't take off your goddamned helmet! Because we know those space, like, those have to be environmentally sealed, because we've seen them in space. The flight suits, yeah. Yeah, so... You don't take off your freaking helmet. But then, Zach, then we can't see their faces because Iron Man didn't come out and solve that problem for another two years. Is Iron Man really that old? 2007, my friend. Holy shit. Actually, 2008. But, yeah, My statement stands. I feel well, old now. Did, you, you weren't with us when we saw Happy Death Day, were you? 
Uh, no. Uh, but yeah, the, I realized that when the kid had in his dorm had an Iron Man poster, and I did the math, I'm like, oh, that kid was eight when Iron Man came out, assuming he is a freshman in college this year. My bones! <laughs> <laughs> I feel old now anyway because of the fact that my birthday was recently from when we were recording this. Anyway, they're like, we haven't found any gases or viruses, but we haven't ruled everything out, so we have to be careful. And Ray, who, you know, is in a quarantine room because of his reaction... I guess not really quarantine. That's also partially why they're concerned is because Ray had such a severe response. Uh Uh-huh. We get a flashback of Tiny Ray. Ray. Durundle and a blonde man. Who looks a lot like Ray, but big. And then Durundle, like, smiles down at Ray. Chibi Ray's suit is very 90s, by the way. (laughs) Although I do like how it gets called out, how the captain was being careless. Even the doctor is like, what the hell? Why did she send you guys? And Shin, for once you were right. You shouldn't have been out there. <laughs> We've only got three of you, technically. And also whatever the hell Athrun is. So Ray gets up when his name is called, and he's like, hey, I'm fine. But Dub, I can't really read this in the um, Japanese, because Ray is always pretty stoic. The Wraith plays this off as almost like Frankenstein horror movie-like, of, I'm fine now. Thank you for your concern. <laughs> Everything is fine. And even the doctor's I, like, it's fine if you need to lay down for a bit. We were just talking about how there could be viruses or something, so I'm just going to let you wander around the ship now. They actually said they ruled those out. No, they, no, said, they said we, we haven't ruled those out. Oh, no, did they? Yeah. And then we get the eye catch. 55 minutes into this recording, I was hoping this one was going to be fast because I have four <laughs> podcasts to edit this weekend, but this is fine. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, hello, all you felines and juveniles of that same persuasion. Thanks for listening. I've got some good news for you this week, and that news is no news, as the saying goes. And I think I might actually be succumbing to some sort of brain-eating amoeba right now. So apologies for the slightly more than usually lackadaisical announcement thing. As usual, like and smash that subscribe button, that's how podcasts work. And if you're interested in, like, some more Gundam stuff, I think episode 5 of What's a Gundam just went up on our Patreon, so you could go check that one out. Or if you just like the sound of Kevin's voice, you could also go listen to Jumpstar Weekly, which is continuing its foray into Flame of Wrecka this week. Here's a random question to get your thought bubbles going that is totally not something that I'm going to use later if anyone responds to me, but hey, what's your favorite way of making ice cream? Totally, for no particular reason, let me know in the Discord. Thanks! You yeah, remember all that padding? Apparently we had a lot to say about it. <laughs> that was okay. The rest of this episode just ends all of a sudden, <laughs> so it's fine. I do love, like, the E.T. hub they've set out outside of. Like, the Minerva's parked here. They've brought in all these computers and stuff. Apparently there were explosive devices in the uh, in the base there. Yeah, but they do say at this point, this is why I thought it, that they found no biological abnormalities. But Arthur's like, that doesn't explain Ray's reaction then. Every now and then, it does give off the feeling that Arthur is not as incompetent as we make him out to be. Yeah. Then they're like, Captain the Savior is here, which in the dub is hilarious, because it sounds like a guy just being like, (laughs) ma'am, Jesus is here. (laughs) (laughs) The Savior has arrived. Kira ain't here. It is almost a crime that Kira never got the pilot the Savior. Yeah. Just in time for uh, Shin and Ray to walk out and see it land. It is weird. This is almost played like a super tense moment. Yeah. Like, with the music behind it and everything, and, like, Ray and uh, Shin, like, reacting, like, who's that? Oh, it's Atherin, our friend. The guy yeah, we, like, it's... bunk with. I don't know why they're playing it up so much on those. Also, though, he's in plain clothes. He took off without telling anyone, if you remember, so it's no, possible. He, he took off telling Gladys. Just Gladys. So That's the true. other pilots didn't know he was gone, and he just got back in his mobile suit in plain clothes, and they're like, where the hell have you been? Though their reaction is before he gets out, though, so they don't see him in the plain clothes. 
you, you see Shin's eyes widen, presumably, ah. as he gets down in the cockpit. Anyway, well, apparently like, Luna knew he left. Well, yeah. <laughs> they did see him leave. That's fair. He's like, hey, when I got back home, you guys were all gone. What happened? Did something happen? Obviously, that's why they're here. Yeah, and Talia's like, oh, you're not going to like this, friend. We get some cool techno babble, some shots of a bunch of very broken Murasames getting fixed. Doc shot of Tadaka with no animation. Uh, ignore that we're just panning through this shot. A pan that makes Yuna look even dumber with these dumbass so pajamas sleeping, hugging a pillow. And as a lonely man, yes, I also sleep that way. But we didn't need to grind Yuna even further into the dust with this one shot. The stupid sleeping cap is so good. And then three shots of the druggy Gundams. Well, it's that same panning shot over the interior of the John Paul Jones we've seen before. Mm-hmm. And one of them's like, yeah, we never thought we would have all three of our suits damaged in one battle, especially when we're like rear guard. And Stella one of the mechanics hanging all over Neo while the mechanic explains this. Yeah, she's the daughter he dotes on endlessly. Um, but the mechanic is like, so why are why are we repairing them here as opposed to going back to base? And he's like, because Jabril bitches about every last thing. We're the only competent ones. And I need this job. My question <laughs> for a lot of this is, um, where are they getting the spare parts for these? I presume they brought some, but they how are could, foreign machines. Yeah, yeah. How do they have spare parts for them when they stole them? They stole yeah. those two. Except we know they didn't. No, everyone got distracted with the actual mobile th- suit theft, but they actually sent in some grunts to like go and steal some stuff while everyone was distracted with the mobile Except suits. Except they blew up the base. It's fine, don't worry and, about Which it. is like specifically in like original ass Gundam, they had a bunch of unfinished RX-78s for parts. And in Zeta Gundam, they stole three Mark IIs and only put the third one into field use because they had the first one for study and the second one for repair parts. That's just one of those things where a lot of these series don't they like, shorthand them. They, don't. they don't want you to look at it too hard. They're like, they did repairs. And I'm like, but where did you get the parts? And they're like, don't think about that too hard. I'm like, but, but I'm me. Know. Why does Neo wear a mask? So you don't know who he is. His awful sexy scar. <laughs> because Char wore a mask. <laughs> and then Zex and, wore a and, mask. And Rao wore a mask. This is how you get Shars. Do you want Shars? In the early ones, they actually did a little bit more of uh, trying to break up the person wearing the mask wasn't necessarily a bad guy. Oh, yeah. Even into the future, they do that. He's pretty much a hero in IBO, the most recent series. They play a lot with Char tropes in Double O in some ways I don't want to talk about because we're probably going to watch that soon. And like the Char trope doesn't really exist until Zex Marquis. I was just thinking of it because of uh, Ternay's got a dude with a mask yeah. and uh, G Gundam has a dude with a mask. Yeah, but those are ones that are like definitely Char adjacent, but they only are like really considered Char clones because people are looking for the pattern. Like Schwartz is not supposed to be a Char. He's not. Uh, he's, he's a no, German. Ninja. He's a German ninja. I even, yeah, I don't even <laughs> think the, the guy at a turn whose name yeah, I Harry can't Ward. I, yeah, he's I don't even pretty think pretty Quattro Vagina. Like specifically his sunglasses. They're definitely going for a visual reference to that, but not necessarily a character. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Neo's like, yeah, but like it can't be helped. Like if one of them got destroyed or totaled or couldn't be used at all, they then s- we could go back. Yeah, they but... say damaged beyond recognition, which is kind of an awkward way to put that, but. If we totaled them and the insurance said we could get a new guard. Yeah, we took out that insurance policy from Durundle, right? One of the Gundams blowed up that we stole. He had to replace it. <laughs> and Sandel is all happy because she heard her name. And anyway, some guy comes up. He's like, hey, um, it's, I got bad news about that laboratory. They failed to blow it up and Zaft has it now. And like, we're trying to do something about that. But like, maybe you should do something about that. His response of give me a break. That's not my job. He's like, you're right, actually. But I thought you would want to know. I have to give this uh, exposition close enough to where Stella can overhear it. Anyway, they flash to Arthur not dealing with the smell very well. Actually, and I, Talia. I'm actually okay with 
Arthur's reaction here because he's not a grunt. This isn't something he would normally be looking at to begin with. My question is more along the lines of, why didn't they send people in here to clean this area out before you sent in the commanding officer of your ship? And why is your commanding officer down here anyway? Because she's one of the main characters and we need her to deliver exposition. This is the sort of thing that I'd be totally willing to forgive for story reasons if there weren't so many other bad decisions about this made first. But this is a Star Trek moment, right? You yeah. send the bridge crew out. Yeah, well, th- you're right. This is why they invented Riker. So that you didn't ask, why is uh, Patrick Stewart always going down on planet when he's the captain? I would actually have a lot less problems with this if we saw those Marines that we saw before down Just here. Them, the area. And other people down here, like, cleaning the area up, you know, moving some of the bodies out. I kind of can give it, like, they don't want to touch too much because they want to, like, be able to investigate it. Treating it like a crime scene, sort of, that's not exactly the right yeah. terminology. But, like, they don't want to contaminate. Forensics, etc. And, like, it does seem like this happens after they've established it's safe, right? Again, this is the sort of thing that is fine for the story, but so many, like, things have been done poorly so far that it comes out as bad. Yeah, I just end up in that situation where I'm sitting there wondering, shouldn't you have a specialist for this? Arthur has a very horror movie moment where he accidentally kicks a vial. He has a bad reaction. He's like, oh, it's just fine. And then he puts a flashlight on it and sees a naked dead boy and reacts poorly again i'm fine with arthur reacting this way as well he seems like the right character for it and clearly everybody is sort of everybody's horrified at this arthur is just a little bit more expressive than everybody else and again they're naval officers like especially because they're space naval officers in theory like the thing they're expecting to see is just the ship over there exploding they're not expecting to see dead bodies this close yeah i find this scene to be kind of excessive though not in like all the blood and stuff but just placing it here. Like I said before, it really seems like it's like the Earth forces are very bad. Remember that the Earth forces are very bad and horrible, which again is something I think they've done a lot in the past and done better and more subtle. Yeah. Yeah, you guys can put away that sledgehammer you seem to have found. Gladys speculates that there was probably a rebellion inside when they tried to destroy it, which makes sense since you got to imagine a lot of these people are researchers. And you have to imagine some people are like, no, I'm not going to let you blow up a lot of kids. Like, yes, I'm a soldier, but I'm willing to mutiny over this. Catherine, like, leans in really close to look at one, brushes its hair away, and then he gets shocked for some reason? I think it's because there's a collar, and I'm also Ah. kind of assuming that it was probably shot in the face because we don't actually see it. I do like Shin seething here, right? This is where, like, Shin being angry Shin makes the most sense. He defaults to anger. Yeah. Then we cut to the druggies. And Stella's just like, lab in Ladonia. Like, what are you talking about, Stella? And she's like, I don't know, what is it? And like, that's where we used to live, remember? And she's like, no, I don't remember anything. I'm not allowed to have a care. And Sting's like, so why did you mention that? And she's like, oh, someone told Neo that Zaft had it now. And the two of them are like, what? And she's like, I don't know, what did I say? Anyway, we cut to the, uh, or back to the bridge crew and the pilots in the brain jar room. <laughs> yeah. The this... brain room. <laughs> Again, when I'm talking about excessive, the blood is one thing. But this is just like. Why do they have a bunch of braids? Um, I was expecting, like, I think it is supposed to be implied that they removed the brains of the candidates for the extended program. Like, maybe. Like, definitely something bad happened to them, right? Yeah. Um, It's just their brain trust. Don't worry about it. My personal theory is actually that they do not have organic brains and that they have been replaced, which is how they do the memory erasing thing on them. That's, That's a an interesting theory. Idea. I've I've got more of the theory that is just along the lines of 
These are brains of the failed ones so that they can study what happened. Why did they fail? No, this is for when Jabril brings back Hitler in a robot body. It's Finch foreshadow that he has a bunch of brains for that. Gladys is on a computer. She got logged in. Their password was just Earth Force's rule. She starts going through. Also, year is 64. 64 since like... After Colony. Yeah, I'm well, like, is it year 64 of this program? It's Cosmic Era here. <laughs> but we're in Cosmic Era, what is it? In the uh, 80s, I believe? No, I, I don't remember. I don't know. That uh, would have to track for the druggies to be as old as they are. Okay, that's so. true. So that brings up my question is, people were saying that the bodies are super rotted and stuff, and like, if this place was abandoned as long ago as this scene kind of implies that they were, all the bodies look like they're in really good shape. I feel like this has to be a recent abandonment, right? Because they were specifically referring to just now it's being brought up that they didn't demolish it. And they sent Shin and Ray in That's because they point. saw people coming and going. So it had to have been fairly recent. That's a good point. So the fact that the bodies are in pretty good condition is fine. In fact, they shouldn't really be rotting yet. Yeah. Unless they're, you know, they had some rotting bodies for some sort of experiment already. And like they got... Or, like, the things in the test tubes had, like, gone bad for a while. I don't know. I'm a lot more okay with that now, though. Gone bad? Yeah, they got, you know, like eggs. (laughs) So, anyway, they were experimenting on kids. It's repugnant. (laughs) Arthur. (laughs) He's like, these are child brains? Again, I think Arthur is fine in this. I agree with you, Zach. I do like the idea that Rosaria action was he just noticed there were a bunch of brains (laughs) all over the room. It's like, I thought it was was cool art. Callie's like, yeah, have you heard of the Extended? I'm sure you have. Like, their attempt to compete with coordinators. And Athens like, I know those guys. Those guys were dicks. Although (laughs) he looks at the picture and he's like, that guy. And it's like, dude, you never saw his face. To be fair, right below his picture is a picture of the Raider. Yeah. I just But that's not. (laughs) It zooms in on his picture. And then it goes down to the Raider. So it's just like. Ather never actually saw them. So this is kind of an Ender's Game facility. Yeah, that's fair. I was going for like an Assassin's Creed, but then I was like, is that actually how Assassin's Creed works? No, nope. so. no. It's a survival of the fittest Horium. I do like the shots of the druggies arguing over them talking about them. Thing in a wool specifically. Stella is just puppy in the background. I do like that one of the researchers is like... Crucified? The- yeah. Although I guess it's not so much an Ender's game as it is a a 40k Space Marine candidate school. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, if someone couldn't compete, they were discarded. We see tiny baby Stella killing some people. Yeah, we see young Stella doing good at knives. Young Owl doing good at twin submachine guns. I like how everyone else just has one submachine gun and he's like, yeah, fuck it, two. I killed one of my teammates to take one. And young Sting being good at that pilot simulator game that That Tall was good at. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. So, yeah, we got it. Four wow, times the charm. Suck at high five. This is a very awkward angle to high five. It is. Yes, there's not enough room. I like how Shin is determined face, and Arthur has horrified face. Yeah, because Shin is like, well, we can't save these people now, but we have to do what we can. I also get the feeling that Shin isn't really thinking about like the people. Like he's thinking about revenge, and Arthur's thinking about, oh my god, these people. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyway, Sting forces Aul into a room. Is like, dude. Chill. Owl is actually breaking down in kind of the same way that Stella does when it comes to someone saying yes. the word die. Yeah, specifically here when he's like, how can I be calm? Mom is at that laboratory. Or I guess he says mother. And like that is apparently his block word because, yeah, he then starts reacting exactly how Stella does when she hears die. I kind of like the block word idea as a way to control them. And again, this is probably experimental, so maybe you can't do it. But if at all possible, it does seem like you should not be able to block yourself with your own block word. It also seems like 
kind of a bad failsafe because it mostly causes them to behave extremely erratically, which is not really a thing you want. You want them to just shut down. I'm not sure it's actually intended as a block word. I've always kind of looked at it more along the lines of it's a glitch. Yeah, I think mostly they just have some extreme psychological trauma and they just can't handle it. Also, his mother is clearly just one of like the lab techs. Yeah, but you know, his memory is probably edited. So. Yep. He starts shutting down. Makes you wonder what Stings is. Yeah, I had that thought, actually. It's something like cromulent. It just never comes <laughs> up. one time someone made fun of his grammar and it really upset him. <laughs> and Stella's looking at like, you know, Sting is trying to calm Owl down and Stella's like, wow, is that what I look like? What's going on? But then Owl's like, mother could die. And then that freaks Stella out. Like the one thing that I can't help but wonder about is Sting knows the, what the effect of die has on stella and he doesn't like react at all he's got he's busy to be fair yeah and usually it's like in reference to saying stella you could die specifically it's not usually just generic death although i think shen did activate it that way although he i think he might have said do you want to die like yeah i I think we've seen it already before that like die in general has kicked her off before although it doesn't kick her off nearly as bad as usual she is kind of zombieing out but she looks more stoned and that, confused okay then. so that's probably why sting doesn't necessarily notice that yeah. she's kicked off and she just is like walking down the hall and she's like die die bad hey stella do you want to play some games you could roll some die <laughs> hey stella give me that die that's why she's not a player to play dnd neo has no moral objections to it it just creates too many problems She's like started stops and then she's like, hey, there's something that's good against die, right? Die is weak to ice. No, <laughs> die is weak to protect. That's it. <laughs> and I actually do really like this bit where she like starts to remember Shin and like she gets a determined face. I actually really like this kind of erratic behavior from her. I just it's like it, it's more. development. Like it's a better than anything we've got. From yeah, her it's before, the most right? character we've mm-hmm. seen thus far. Yeah, and you're right, Zach. The problem with it is that it's halfway through the series that she's acting this way. I actually um, kind of wonder if part of her problem is she is just the most brain wiped of all of them. Like they're like, oh man, she forms memories too good. We have to wipe her extra hard. So anyway, they call Rio and they're like, hey, there's something wrong with Aul. Can you like deal with it since you're their handler? I love how it goes to like Stella is basically stealing the Gaia. Yes. She, like, gets in it, and, like, I get the feeling that, you know, she's very Manic Pixie Dream Girl a lot, so it's not uncommon for her to just, like, walk around here, but she's never a problem. So no one, like, says anything until she's in the Gaia. And turning it on. Well, and because it's supposed to be, you know, hers, I get the feeling that it's also one of those situations where it's not uncommon to see any of the three there for whatever reason. Yeah. And I do love that she's like, hey, open the hatch or I'm going to blow it apart. And the reason I love it is this is a threat we've got a lot before. She's the first one to do it. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> usually someone, usually people will be like, okay, we don't want you to blow the hatch apart. It's also kind of weird, like, as weird and erratic as she's behaving, she does have the cognizance to at least warn people that she is going to blow up the door. So. Well, she's in her happy place in the Gundam. Like, we've seen her be more uh, sort of in the Gundam before as well. And yeah, so it's like, get Captain Roanoke, there's trouble. And he's like, God damn it. Am I the only one who works there? And Neo, I feel you. I feel you so hard. (laughs) Like in this case, like I I understand what's this guy going to do to stop Stella? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I also understand from Neo to this today, everyone is coming to him with their problems. Yeah. He's like, he's on the way to go deal with Aul. And like, Captain, which I also like is a reason that like he's not there to stop her. Yeah. I also (laughs) just sees the guy go off and like, what the hell's going on over there? Well, whatever they're doing, it's not our problem. 
I love a line that Neo has in a couple yeah, of minutes. I do. I think it's the same one I love. And I do like still like just like saying the proper nouns, sort of like a mantra and be like, mother, protect mother. I was Go actually going to call it a mantra. So like she almost needs it to stay focused. Like yeah. she's like, I am space cadet. I need to focus here. Just keep repeating the important things. So apparently the, uh, the examination crew has left. Now they're sending in the experts and specialists to go there. Uh, and to be fair, it does seem like you would need to call them. To yeah, this if they didn't happen to be here. And Talia's like, yeah, I can't imagine they're just going to like leave these here. So. I actually like the like Arthur there. Arthur still yeah. looks queasy. And yep. I think that's actually a pretty good detail detail because he's, he's got that little sweat drop that's like i'm trying to hold my lunch down but i'm not sure it's gonna he's stay. got his hand on his stomach and tally's like bert he must be one of those three people whose names we don't know and then like it pays off of, of arthur still being queasy when they carry a body past so they're clearing the bodies now yeah, and i do like it cuts to atherin who's like sitting down and shin's just like i can't believe like this has happened and you know he says what the audience is supposed to feel of, like they say coordinators are bad but then like this is okay which I do like as a point. I think it's something Shin would have to process. The problem is, like, this is the whole point of Azrael in Gundam Seed, right? Yeah. Although, to be fair, this is a new series. You're going to have audience members. This is also much more explicit about what they had to do to achieve druggies. Yeah, because yeah. they didn't really explain it in the first series. We, we mostly got the way they controlled them with the withdrawal symptoms. Yeah. yeah. Show. This also explains why there are different varieties, because probably they just had a bunch of, like, weird kids that they just were like, okay, we'll try out this thing on this batch of them. and Yeah. Yeah, and Shin is like, you know, has this righteous rage of like, how on earth can they say that we're bad, but like, this is okay. And then he's like, what in the world is this blue cosmos? And I feel like any history lesson at all involving the exodus to space would have covered this. I don't think it's necessarily a matter of him not knowing who they are, but more of like, who do they think they are? Yeah, type of it's situation. in quotation marks, like he doesn't know what they are. I don't think he knows I what they it's are because, because it's a proper noun. Shin is uneducated. Yeah, no, I, I read this the same way Zach does. As like, <laughs> he's just like, like who do they think they are? Like, what organization can think this way? Yeah, and actually, uh, Atherin's line confirms that, he's I think. Like, yeah, he's like, yeah, I'm 100% with you on this one, Shin. That is not a good animation of the... We've well, seen it, it before, really it is not. Funny. I love how yeah. Neo enters the hangar and says, you fools, why'd you let her get out? And then, and he then turns. sees the hatch. <laughs> It's a comedy reveal, which is like, like again, multiple times, especially in Gundam, but in Seed in, in, in particular, people have played this before, and they were like, no, Stella, we are not going to open the- Boom! <laughs> I just I just love how, like, it's the kind of immediate thing you would think of. It's like, why did you let her go? And then like, he walks oh. in, and it's like, oh, you didn't let her go. My apologies. I, I do like feel hands. like that's probably yeah. the logical next step, because we've seen how- Neo usually yeah. acts around his subordinates. I do get the feeling that he would apologize to yeah. them after that because of the fact that they didn't let her go anywhere. Or be like, well, careful what I wish for. Anyway, we cut to a shot of Owl being sedated. Yep. And Stig, like, Sting's got a weird expression on it. Um, it I looks like a cross between, like, concern. Uh, actually, he looks kind of concerned. Yeah, but also, disinterested isn't right. Like, like he doesn't look worried. I definitely get what you're picking down, putting down, blah, blah, blah. Picking up pick what is up. being put down? Yeah. Well, I think it's because of the control. Like, that would be the thing, like, concern, because he knows what this is and, like, knows what the logical step from that is. So, I guess Bert sees a blip on the radar. Because it can't be Marin. I do love how Shin and Atherin immediately, even before ordered, start yeah, running for their mobile both, suits. Yeah, they both heard that the guy is on their way, so their immediate reaction is, mount up. Yeah. Talia's like, one? What? Well, Atherin and Shin, you have to protect the facility, so... Get out there, get rid of it. 
I feel like she went with Atherin and Shin because of the fact that... Well, no, I think it was that she picked those two because she knew those two happened to be nearby, whereas Rey, I think, is on board the Minerva. Perhaps. Although my feeling is the Minerva is probably closer to the guy. I guess it depends on what direction the guy is approaching from. She's outside. They're outside. True. Stella is determined to protect Mother. And I do love that Athens like, hey, if it wants to destroy the facility and it's alone, it probably has some sort of special equipment. Like, it probably has yeah. a bomb. It's gonna. It's got something going on. Be careful. Yeah, it's like, you have to take it out without making yeah. it explode. It's worded really kind of awkwardly in the yeah. subtitles because he says, defeat it without letting it explode. And it's like... As far as you I can want tell, to explain to me how I'm supposed to ex- do that? Mobile suits are made of nitroglycerin, so they explode so easily. Depends, because Kira's targets don't seem to explode when somebody leans on them. He took improved disarm. It just applies to actual arms. We get some cool forest fighting. Atherin takes off one of the little wing things. And Atherin is using that jet form to its fullest, hit and running yeah. the Gaia. I do like two-on-one Stella's absolutely no match for them, which yeah. is kind of nice, even though they're trying to hold back a little bit. They've already kind of shown that none of the druggies are a match for Atherin one-on-one to begin with. And he's got a Shin with him. And Shin has been pretty Shin's able a to competent take st- pilot. Yeah. Shin Stella one-on-one is pretty even. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, Shin, can you flank it bo- from below? And he's like, that's what I'm doing! I like how we're getting that while Talia is listening. We're not actually seeing that well, that in, saves money. <laughs> uh, animation. I know why they're doing it, but I like that effect because of the fact that this is a situation where all of the people are outside the Minerva, so a lot of people are outside of the shelter of the armored battleship. Yep. So Lynn is making her way back to the Minerva in her moon copter, and she's like, why fight going on? This is not fight plane. The guy has a very cool jump to shoot some beams, but she's there with the shield. I really like the animation of the impulse, like, slashing at it, too. Something about it just has a lot of impact, even though it's missing. Uh, it looks really well done. Atherin and creates an opening, and Shin goes in and basically just chops off part of the chest. Atherin chops off one of the arms on the way by. Yeah, and Shin just gets a glancing blow at the cockpit. Actually, did he get the arm, or did he just get its shield? I'm pretty sure he got an arm. I was... thought he got the that left arm there. I thought he got the right one, but here it is landing. We might be able to see. Both arms were there when gotcha. it was falling. Okay. Maybe uh, no, it he took did, off got, the, got the forearm. Hand. Yeah. Uh, Shin flies over it, like, hey, did I do it? Did I take it out without the explode? What the fuck is with that subtitle up there? Good question. This uh, episode actually has screwed up a lot of the subtitles. What do you want to bet That's uh, that might have been, like, an actual Japanese character that someone just fucked up on? Anyway, he sees in the cockpit, he sees this blonde girl that he kind of recognized, now all bloodied. Atherin's like, hey, a girl, that's weird. We don't like girl. Oh, yeah, we do. Never mind. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Although, like, it could be a situation where... The Earth Forces doesn't usually have women piloting their mobile suits. Yeah, I can't think of a counterexample to that. I'm sure there is one in the extended universe, but I can't think of one. Well, it might just be like, you know, the exception that proves the rule type of situation. They don't normally have women piloting mobile suits in the Earth Forces. That could be why Atherin's surprised. The ending theme is playing in a, like, slower version of it than normal as well. As Shin starts remembering, hey, I know that girl. Yeah, because he zooms in, he's like, oh, shit, it's Stella. That crazy lady that I saved from drowning that one time. That clearly meant a lot to me because I saved the seashell and everything. It was the first boobs he's ever seen. That also. They're also probably the first boobs he's ever felt, but he doesn't remember that part. He did it again while saving her from drowning. Yeah, so that's how the episode ends with a bloody close-up of Stella's face. And again, I really like this like development for Stella. I'd remembered that this happened, but I'd forgotten the details. But I really like the way she kind of like asserts her will. Again, I really wish... 
We got more of her earlier. Yeah, I was going to say, I think this is actually kind of a banger of an episode. I just wish it had happened like seven or eight episodes ago. Yeah, I mean, the individual episode, it's just one of those things that's, uh, for me, it's taking a bit of a hit because I watched the next episode right afterwards. And while that last part is a pretty good fight, actually, watching it twice in, you know, (laughs) 10 minutes. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of that in Destiny, huh? So yeah, Tyler, do you have a high point? As much as we were kind of making fun of, like, the over-the-top, like, enforced gravitas of it, uh, I actually do really like the bridge crew exploring the facility, partially because, like, it's so well-drawn, the reactions are, like, panned in that, like, kind of stereotypical horror movie style. I don't know. I like the scenes a lot, even if they are a little melodramatic. Zach? For me, it has to either be the conclusion of the Atherin-Kira conversation... Or the Stella having actually blown out the hatch. You have to pick one so I can have the others out. <laughs> I'll go with the uh, the Atherin-Kira conversation at the end of it. Because while the other part is really funny, I think it's more important the, for the series as a whole, uh, the completion of the conversation. Yeah, and I'll expand that to like Stella having agency. Because that's my biggest problem with her, right? With her being a baby, is it feels like she's just wandered into this series aimlessly. Like, she's this weird escort mission you ha- that just pops up randomly and procedurally sometimes. And it's also been, like, a kind of a problem with the series as a whole, where all of its female characters don't seem to get a lot of agency, so yeah. having one of them actually get to do something. Yeah, it sucks that she fails, but also, it's two-on-one against two very experienced pilots that have been shown to be at least her equals. And she is currently emotionally unstable, which yeah. is probably not helping in her ability to pilot. Mm-hmm. And she's been competent before. She killed Hainé Westenfluss. The series wants to take that away from her, and let's not let them. Low point, Tyler? Yes. (laughs) I don't know. This I actually really like pretty much every part. I guess the, like, bad establishing shots of the uh, hanger on the John Paul Jones. Like, the fact that it's just panning over the same five shots over and over. It's kind of a weak one, honestly. Zach? I don't want to go with the reused animation because that's a destiny problem in general. I think I might have to go with the fact that they're beating the same dead horse they've done before with making the Earth forces out to be the mustache twirlingly bad guy. I'm actually, you know what, I I completely forgot one, but I'll let Jeremy do his first, so. Yeah, and I completely agree with you, Zach. That was actually what I was thinking I was going to make an eye point. I do at least like that it ties in with the druggies and like they're getting like forward movement because of it. So at least we get that, but I completely agree with you. It seems like they felt like they had to to make Atherin's like choices make sense. So I'm gonna go with like how melodramatic Atherin is being. Yeah, that's really mine uh, that I forgot about because it seems like an entirely different episode. Because I think we talked ourselves into liking that by talking about all the ways that like with very small changes it would work better. Mm-hmm. And I don't hate it, but. I just feel like it's ground we've already covered, uh-huh. and it seems like a weird place for Atherin to be, given that he and Kira have already had this exact same conversation well, That's kind before. of a problem with a lot of this, is we've already seen all of this kind of thing before. Yeah, we've re- we're retreading a lot of ground, mm-hmm. and that's like really destiny. Done better. <laughs> yeah, done better also. All right, that just about does it. There was no ghost dad this episode, but I forgot to bring the notes last episode. In episode 24, we had eight whole seconds of ghost dad. It felt like longer than that. That are now on the books. That brings our total in Destiny to four minutes, three seconds. Our total after his death to four minutes and 42 seconds. And that about does it for this episode. Like we said, a pretty good one. It has its problems. Really, I think the problem is the pacing of Destiny around it, though. 
Because even in this episode, a fair amount happens. It just, the facility, while it helps, like, it foreshadows some race stuff, and it helps with the, like, druggy stuff that it's underlying. We don't need to know the Earth Alliance are evil douchebags. We cut to Jabril all the time. Yeah, we just got some nice character development for some side characters in the process, which mostly is why I liked it. I mean, that's fair. All right. Join us next week when we will be watching Phase 26, The Promise. Until then, we have to keep watching. It is our destiny.